This is Basketball U. On Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. What's up and welcome in to a fresh Basketball U on ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tyler Aki. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and tell all of your college hoops loving friends. You can also follow me on Twitter at Tyler Aki underscore. Get all the latest of my tweets and I love interacting with all of you guys talking college basketball every single week on Twitter and we love talking to you guys on the show as well. We've got so much to get to today. Another number two has lost. I'm going to get into a little bit of why I think that's the case as well. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about Jim Beheim today because this has started to, to get a little bit of national publicity. So I think this is the perfect time to sort of dive into what's, what's going on inside the mind of Jim Beheim. Uh, hopefully we can get some answers there. And also we had number one fall but they did not drop in the rankings. I'll discuss that in a little bit more. And I do want to talk about that Indiana team because they're starting to play some really, really good basketball right now. But first, let's start with another number two team falling this past week. It was Tennessee that fell at the hands of Florida. We've now seen three straight weeks where number two has lost. We've also seen number one fall a number of times this year. It has been absolute chaos at the top. It almost feels like being a top three team has been more of a curse than a blessing so far this season. And I look at what's been going on. All right, so the last three teams that have lost, you got Kansas, you've got Alabama, and you've got Tennessee. And I think part of it is home court advantage has become such an important thing in college basketball. You look at how many home teams have won, how many have lost over the course of, of this season, and really, especially inside top 25 matchups. I, I, I've i talked a little bit about this on the show, and um, I've, I've talked a little about, bit about this on some other shows as well. So this was last week, all right? And this is courtesy of Ben Stevens over at SiriusXM. Um, he does the morning after show. I've been on that show a couple times, and we've talked about it. Um, so I, I gave him the stat last week that, um, at least at the time, home teams are undefeated against the spread on big Monday games. And I think a lot of factors go into that. You've got close turnarounds. You've got one team having to travel in on a short turnaround there. Um, and then they have to get up for a big game on top of that. It's always a great matchup, too, on big Monday. That number has moved to 7-0 and uh, of home teams against the spread on big Monday. 6-1 and straight up, 7-0 and against the spread. And then Ben gave me this stat here. Monday through Thursday last week, 22 games featured at least one top 25 team. The home team in that matchup went 19-3 and straight up and 18-4 and against the spread. It is very rare to see road teams um, pull off some of these big victories. And a lot of those games with those top 25 teams, I don't know the exact numbers. Ben was the one that did the, the number crunching on that. But I'd imagine about half those teams um, – the road team was the ranked team, and they still end up getting upset on the road. But it, it's been crazy. I, I think a lot of it has to do with home court advantage now and the fact that the sport is so old right now in terms of so many players returning, NIL having to do a big part with that, the transfer portal a big part of that as well. I think with so many guys returning, veterans know how to win at home. And I think you're seeing that really play out this season. I'd love to hear the, the perspective of, of a coach or a player on that as well. But 
the one thing that I can tell is that home court advantage, it feels like it means so much more. You know, you used to see these close spread games. Um, when you see the spread, it would be a one-point spread, one-and-a-half-point spread. We're now seeing that get pushed out to three-and-a-half-four. I'm talking about these games between close close uh, comparison teams and the home team usually is a one, one-and-a-half-point spread. At least that's how it used to be a couple years ago. But nowadays, it's like three-and-a-half-four. Sometimes it even gets out to four-and-a-half, five points for some of these games, and you don't expect it. Um, and, and you kind of scratch your head, and you're like, huh, how is that team a, a three-and-a-half-point favorite against this team? Isn't this team better? I think tonight's a perfect example. Go on FanDuel right now. West Virginia is a three-and-a-half-point favorite against Iowa State right now. And Iowa State is ranked 11th in the country. West Virginia unranked. Cyclones are 16 and 6. Mountaineers are 14 and 9. And Iowa State has the much more impressive resume to date so far. But it just kind of goes to show you where we're at right now, how much home court advantage really means. All right, let's move on here. Jim Beheim. Because the Syracuse coach, after their win against Boston College, sat down with Pete Thamel and they discussed a number of things, including him saying that he will, quote, probably be returning for the 23-24 season. Me personally, I don't know if we're going to see Bayheim back. Um but there's there's more layers to this, all right? That's that's the headline, but there's a lot more to this. He goes on to kind of rip the state of college basketball saying that this is it's gotten out of control. Um play, uh, teams are buying their rosters right now. It's why Jay Wright left, it's why Mike or Coach K left, um, and it, things are just out of control with NIL, the transfer portal, all of that. And it, it got to the point. So he calls out Pitt, Wake Forest, Miami, and like in fairness, yeah, did Miami buy a team? Sure, they bought a team. You look at it, you kind of look at the the way that NIL was a big factor with them um, in getting some of the transfers this past off season. Sure, you want to say that, but but going out and saying Pitt and Wake. You're you're kind of you're throwing throwing stones with a glass house here because I look at what what Bayheim is talking about here is listen this is the new era it's one thing I talked about this with Jordan Cornette too it's one reason why I respected the hell out of Mike Bray when all this was happening because Mike Bray said grow up and adapt um, this is the new game pretty much and you've got old guys like Bayheim who are screaming get off my lawn and. Uh, listen, I made some of my thoughts clear on, on Waddle and Sylvie this week about how I, I really feel about Jim Beheim, but quite frankly, the game has passed him by. He's not getting the recruits he's used to getting. Part of that has to do with some coaching staff changes that's that have gone on, but now it's gotten to the crotchety old man stage, and I really feel like we're we're living out a die a hero or live long enough to become the villain sort of scenario with Jim Beheim, where Listen, he deserves all the credit in the world for making Syracuse a relevant pinpoint on the map. Without Jim Beheim, if you're looking at a map of the United States, you're not seeing Syracuse on there. You're not seeing nearly as many students go to Syracuse uh, University because it's what he built up as a program that made it so appealing. I mean, you hear about it all the time. The teams that do well in March Madness, their applicants go through the roof. You look at UMBC, Florida Gulf Coast, you get a spike. And when you do that perpetually and you get yourself into a big conference like the Big East and then into the ACC, you're going to continue to draw more names because it's 
considered a big-time atmosphere, and students want to be a part of that. He built that university. There's no doubt about that. Um, but it's gotten to the point now where everything's sort of passed him by, and it's tough to watch. Uh, one of my favorite little side notes that I saw from this was the uh, Jim Laranega flashing uh, a wad of cash pregame um, after Miami or pregame to Miami beating Duke the other day on Big Monday. And I know he went back, he kind of backtracked and said, oh, no, I, I had some things in the wrong pockets. I always make sure I have this, this, and this in one pocket and this, this, and this in the other pocket. And I, I mixed up my pockets and I just happened to have a wad of cash out there. Listen, uh, Laranega, I love it. I, I love what he did there. I think it was really funny. And I think it was the perfect sort of shot because, and it's funny too, because Laranega sort of a, a Jim Beheim doppelganger too. Like if you see a side by side there, they look almost identical. Um, and so I, I really like that move out of, out of Jimmy L there. But I mean, we've also seen too Jim Beheim be very, very combative in press conferences lately. And uh, he's kind of taking the stance of, oh, I'm the guy who, I, like, everyone wants me, everyone loves me. 95% of Syracuse people want me to coach. That's far from the truth. I can tell you right now, I would guess 70 to 80% of people want him out. If I had to conduct a real straw poll of Syracuse fans, who wants him to coach, who doesn't want him to coach, um, I would guess that 70 to 80% are saying he's done. You, you, they want him out. We thank you for your time, but time to go. Time to get out of here. Um, and and it's, it's sad that it's gotten to this point because even, even you look at Jay Wright, Roy Williams, and Coach K, they kind of didn't leave on top, but they still left with success. They were still fielding successful teams when they got out. And that's just not the case with Bayheim. He should have gotten out when the university and him initially had that out for him. The 2018-2019 season was supposed to be the first under Mike Hopkins, and it obviously didn't go that way because Jim Beheim decided to, to stick around because he he blew by his retirement date. And it's gotten to the point now where it's tough to watch. Um, it's tough, tough to watch Syracuse basketball. They're a program that's in decline. And quite frankly, I don't know if it's going to get much better in the near future because of what could be ahead with uh, the next coach. I think it will be Red Autry. Um, which is a name that probably isn't as sexy as maybe a Jerry McNamara or going outside the program, but this is clearly going to be a family in in the family sort of decision and and move. And uh, I think a lot of a lot of fans aren't too happy with that. I think they're they're looking for something fresh, something new. And I'm I'm not looking forward to to what this sort of looks like because it could get really really ugly now, as it has gotten with a lot of ACC teams that have undergone change. So, but yeah. Um, as, as I've kind of stated, not a fan of the, the, the current iteration of Jim Beheim. I don't think he's done a good job coaching, and I don't think he's done a good job recruiting. I don't think he's done a, a good job of really being a decent human being either. So all of that has sort of come to a boil here. All right. We had another number one go down this weekend. It was the, the game of the weekend, quite frankly. Indiana takes down Purdue. Um Indiana up by 15 at half in this one, 50 to 35. It looks like they're running away with this one. And I look at what Indiana did to get to that lead. It was Trace Jackson Davis. He has 25 points in this game, but it wasn't necessarily all the points he had that was impressive. It was how he maneuvered out of double teams in this one because even though he only had one assist, I'd love to see the numbers on how many hockey assists he had in this game because 
Purdue was bringing double team pressure on him a lot. He would get the ball on the block. He would get the ball on the short wing. And boom, there comes a double team of Purdue. He whips a pass out of it, not immediately, but in, in a smart fashion to get out of it. And the the way that Indiana was able to rotate the ball out of those and set up for some easy baskets down low, it was really, really nice to see. This is more of the Indiana team that we were expecting to see. Picked up back-to-back good Big Ten wins against Purdue and Rutgers at home. Both of them ended up being close games. Um, but Indiana was in control of both of those games, pretty much start to finish, and this one was no exception to that rule. Jalen hood Shafino, their talented freshman, he was really good in this game. He has 16 points and four assists. He's battled some injuries this year, so he's been a nice welcome addition back to the lineup um, when he has been in there. He's been an X-factor for them. He, I think, kind of determines how far they're going to go because we know what Trace Jackson Davis can do. Um, we've seen the, the shooting from Miller cop. We, we know what race Thompson is as a guard for, or as a, a wing for this team. Um, but when Jalen hood, is good, this Indiana team is really good. Um, he had a night last night where he wasn't great, but he did make some, some big plays for that team last night. And, um, I look at what Indiana needs to do to continue to, to play at this level, you know, the schedule was pretty tough for them early on, uh, but now things get a little bit easier. You do have one more game against Purdue the rest of the way, but that's your only top 25 Ken Palm matchup the rest of the way. You just knocked out two big ones at home against Purdue and Rutgers, but now how do you battle on the road? You got road games against Michigan and Northwestern coming up. Neither of those teams are very good, but you are on the road. And I kind of talked about how important home court advantage has been. And, and I, I think a perfect example of what I was saying a little bit earlier was even though Indiana was ranked, I think in the teens at the time um, or in the twenties, they were a favorite against Purdue, who was the number one team in the country because the game was at assembly hall. And that just kind of shows you how important a home court advantage is in these games. Um, and then I look at uh, Purdue on the other side. Like they came back in this game and drew it to even. It looked like they were actually going to win this game at a certain point because of the run they went on. Zach Eady continues to be the most impressive player in college basketball, doing things we haven't seen in a long time. 33 points, 18 rebounds in this game on a hyper-efficient shooting night, too. 15 of 19 from the floor. Also went 3 of 4 from the free throw line as well and, and pitched in three blocks. But... Zach Eady is—he's gonna need some help from some of the 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 young guards that he has because in this game, Braden Smith did not play very well. He had four points on one of eight shooting. Uh, Fletcher Lawyer—he wasn't very Fletcher Lawyer, like one of six from three in this game. So there needs to be some outside help, and that's where I think the lack of an NBA player on this team is really hurting them. If they had an NBA caliber wing, not even I'm not even saying like the guy has to be a lottery pick. If they have a guy who can get picked in the second round, I think this team is really, really good, and you start to take them extremely seriously as a national title contender. I don't know if they're quite that right now. Um, but what Zach Eady has done, the star power that he's sort of brought to this team has been nothing short of magnificent. And it's the reason why he's in the driver's seat right now uh, for National Player of the Year. And, you know, I'm not sure anyone else is in the car with him because you look at what 
and, and there's that's not to say there aren't some really impressive performances going on right now. Jalen Wilson at Kansas has been phenomenal. Brandon Miller at Alabama has been very, very good, especially as a freshman. But I think you just look at what Edie has done, and there's, quite frankly, no one like him right now in the sport. And he's dominating every step of the way. All right, let's get into my new top 12. And I'm going to put a little twist on this. I'm going to give a little confidence rating as well with this, all right? So my top 12, I'm going to accompany it with a confidence level of what kind of noise I think they can make in the tournament, all right? I'm grading it one to three. One means I could see this team being an early upset. That's kind of how I feel about them. Two means I think they are a second weekend team. And three means I think they can get beyond that. So we're talking Elite Eight, Final Four, or perhaps even cutting down the nets in Houston. All right, so let's get into it here. My number 12 team and uh, the biggest dropper of the week is Marquette. They dropped from 8 to 12 in my latest rankings. They got blown out by UConn the other day on the road um, and also played a close game against Butler at home. Butler, not a very impressive team this year. And I I look at my confidence level in, in, um, in Marquette right now, and I'm giving them a 1 because Shaka hasn't won a tournament game in a decade. The defense also on the road has been something that's been really troubling for me. When you look at some of the the road numbers defensively, all right, they, the defense has been pretty good at home. But if you look at some of their losses on the road, 87 points last night against UConn, they allow 80 against Xavier, 103 against Providence, albeit in double overtime, and 80 against Wisconsin. Those are their last four losses there, three of which have come in conference play. Um, that stuff scares me because especially when you get into the tournament, that's when you can let a team get a little hot on you. And that's when you maybe see the, the 14, three, the, the 13, four type of upsets. There is when stuff like that happens. Listen, Marquette's going to shoot the ball out of the gym. They're a top five offense. They're great in that regard, but it worries me when they get into a game like this, where they're going to need their defense to buckle down. And that's why I'm a little bit afraid of them right now. And I think the, the last two games, that they've played have not been as impressive. They do have one road game that I'm really keeping my eye on, and that is on February 21st at Creighton. I want to see what Marquette brings in that game because the defense is going to have to sure itself up if I'm going to look at them as a team that can go to the second weekend because right now I don't think they are that team, even though they are a top 10 team in the country, according to the AP poll. Um, My number 11 team that I'm going to roll with here is Baylor. Baylor, to me has been one of the most impressive teams over the last month. Because of what they've done in conference play, they have won uh, seven of their last eight games. Their only loss was a big Monday loss at Texas. I don't penalize for road losses on big Mondays on this because it's just the nature of what happens. Um, Offense is really, really good right now, third ranked in the country. The defense has gotten better. It's not great, but it has gotten better. You look at how they've locked some teams down. They play at a pretty average pace, um, but a lot of their defensive shortcomings came early on in the season, especially in that three-game losing streak to open up Big 12 play. But as of late, they have been particularly strong on the defensive side of the basketball. Uh, 62 points allowed to Texas Tech, 64 against Arkansas, 69 against Kansas, uh, 60 against Oklahoma. So they have, they've played some, some really good defensive basketball as of late. 
And the schedule right now, I think, sort of sets up nicely for them over their their next three games. You're home against Oklahoma, on the road at TCU, but a TCU team that's battled some injuries and has taken some losses as of late, and then home against West Virginia. So this is a chance for Baylor to make some noise. I actually think that Baylor can win the, the Big 12. I do have a ticket on them on uh, FanDuel that I got a couple weeks ago. I want to say about two weeks ago. Baylor plus 650 to win the Big 12 right now. They are currently a game and a half back of Texas for that lead spot, but I do think they go out and win tonight against Oklahoma and pull themselves a little bit closer um, in that regard and pull themselves a game back of uh, the, the Longhorns for the top spot in the Big 12. But I just I, I didn't feel like they did anything too poor this week. They did drop a spot in my rankings, um, but I, it's more of a credit to a team that I will get to in a little bit. In terms of my confidence level in them, um, I'm going to go with a two. You've got a veteran backcourt, great coach. Also getting Jonathan Chamochachua back this past week. He's kind of like the engine for this team, the energetic guy off the bench, been a part of, of some really good Baylor teams as well. I really like him, and I think getting him back on the floor, you kind of saw how much he meant in that Texas Tech game. They were losing out of the gate against Texas Tech, and then they sort of came back. And it was kind of when Chamo Chachua came into the game, gave them a little bit of a spark, and then they go on a run and end up winning by by 27 points in this game. But Chamo Chachua off the bench, 8-4 and four in 14 minutes. He was a great spark for them. And I, I love seeing that he's back out there on the floor, member of that uh, that national championship team as well. Um, so I, love, I like having him a part of this mix as well, and good to have him back in the sport too. All right, my number 10 team, we're going to roll with the Texas Longhorns. They do drop a spot. They picked up a big road win against uh, Kansas State over uh, the weekend, and they were down uh, 14 points against Kansas State on the road. Looked like the Wildcats were going to pull away and win that one, but... Back come the the Longhorns in that game. I was sort of tracking that one on the side. And they're getting some really good production from Serge Jabari Rice off of the bench as of late. He's been sort of, as well as uh, Christian Bishop too. Those two guys have been some pretty integral players for them off the bench. Um, You look at the last three games, uh, Rice had 12 14, 21, 21. Those are, those are some fantastic numbers that he's sort of put together. And then uh, Christian Bishop, too, the transfer from Creighton, he's also put together some, some nice outings. He had 14 points, including a big bucket in this one down the stretch. Um, but when he's playing well off the bench, this, this Texas team feels as deep as anyone in the country. Um, you look at the starting lineup for this team, they can kind of go cold on you, kind of hit or miss. Um, and it, then it kind of boils down to what does the defense bring? Um, but they do lose to Kansas on big Monday, but again, I don't penalize for big Monday losses on this. Uh, my confidence level though, in Texas as a NCAA tournament team, I am going to put them at a one right now because there's a number of factors in play. They're a bad three-point shooting team, and the defense I don't think is good enough to compensate for that, and they also have an interim head coach right now who's done a good job so far, but it's another thing when you're going to coach your first NCAA tournament and it comes out as as a Power 5 head coach. I don't love the idea of that for Rodney Terry right now, but who knows? Maybe he can prove me wrong out there, but I'm going to go with a confidence level of one for the Texas Longhorns. 
My number nine team is the one that beat them the other day, and that is the Kansas Jayhawks. You know, they're three and one in their last four, and it's it's a pretty impressive stretch that they're on right now. Had a road win against Kentucky after Kentucky was sort of that resurgent team that was getting back into the swing of things. Then they beat Kansas State by a dozen at home, lose at Iowa State on the road. Tough one there, but Hilton Magic will catch every once in a while. And then they beat Texas at home in a top 10 matchup right there. Um, I really like what what Kansas is doing and getting to the confidence level with them. I'm going to say a three. Even though right now I've got them at nine, my confidence level in them is a, is a three because they've got the experience of winning a national championship and they've got star power. I kind of talked about Zach Eady and how he's overshadowing a lot of people right now. Jalen Wilson is one of those guys. Right now this season, he's averaging 21 points, eight and a half boards, and he's upped his three-point percentage about 10% from a season ago, and that's while doubling his attempts. He's up to about six and a half attempts per game this year. Will, what Wilson's doing, he's he's carrying this team when they need him to. He's hitting big shots. He's got a great supporting cast around him. I really like Kevin McCuller as, as this sort of small big that they've got. Um, K.J. Adams has start, sort of come into his own a little bit. He's gotten a lot better and improved drastically over the course of the season. Daywan Harris, steady point guard. And then you got Grady Dick, their, their freshman, who is shooting 43% from three this season and has been reliable from distance this year. Um, and when Grady Dick's rolling, like this team, it feels like one of those games where they'll win it by 20. So I feel pretty good about Kansas. They've got a, a, a tough, not, I shouldn't say tough, but like, an interesting stretch these next two. It's the Oklahoma swing for them. On the road against Oklahoma, on the road against Oklahoma State. We do see Bill Self sometimes punt it to his alma mater um, in Oklahoma State on the road. So we'll see if that happens this year again. But if they can go 2-0 and here, the schedule sets up pretty nicely for them to maybe only lose one or two regular season games the rest of the way. So Kansas, you are my number nine team right now. Um and that brings us to number eight, where we find Iowa State. Um, this is the run on Big 12 teams here, four straight. Um, but Iowa State, kind of a, a tough week for them. Um, they are coming off of the week where they lose to Texas Tech. But I mentioned they blew out Kansas this weekend, and that was kind of the, the last sort of infinity stone for them right there. They've run the Big 12 gauntlet after blowing out the Jayhawks. Um, you look at the teams that they've beaten in the Big 12. They've beaten all the good ones. No one else can say this, all right? They've beaten Baylor, TCU, Texas, Kansas State, and now Kansas after that blowout. Those are the most impressive teams in the Big 12, and no one else has that sort of resume in terms of wins in the Big 12. Um, you look at the from a confidence level standpoint, what, how I feel about them. I'm putting them at a two, and here's why. They're big game hunters, and those are the teams you face in the tournament. So we could see another Sweet 16 type of run out of Iowa State. The problem for me, actually, is going to be more in the early rounds. Like, is Iowa State going to be a team that goes down in a 4-13 or a 3-14 a type of matchup? Because they have shown that they can be a little susceptible against some of the, the bad teams that they face. Um, they lost the game to Texas Tech. Um, they lost to Oklahoma State. They lost to Missouri in the Big 12 SEC. So I want to see what Oklahoma or what Iowa State looks like in some of these games. By the way, no Big 12 flavor of the week this week because I was looking at all the sort of top teams and they all split. 
So they all it all felt like everyone went one and one or something like that. So no Big 12 flavor of the week this week. Um, another one of my big droppers for the week, that is Virginia, who checks in at number seven, down three spots from a week ago. They lose to Virginia Tech, rivalry game on the road. They do have a nice little bounce back against NC State, uh, beat them by 13 at home, a solid NC State team. Um, but that Virginia Tech game snapped a seven-game winning streak. My confidence level for the Cavaliers, I've got them at a two. They've got the experience, but I'm wondering if the talent gap is going to catch up at a certain point. And that's not to say they don't have talented players. They do. Reese Beekman, Jaden Gardner, Kihei Clark are all very good players. But it feels like they're just a less talented version of Houston right now, where you've got really good balance. You kind of slow the game down. I always say there's the Cavalier curve when you adjust for how much they win and lose by. Um, But... I look at Virginia as a team that I'm putting them as a two. I think they can get into the the second weekend. I just don't know if how far they can get beyond that because the, the ACC is not going to challenge them this year. Um, you look at the rest of their schedule. According to Ken Palm, they're only projected to lose one more game the rest of the way. That's a road game against North Carolina. Um but all, all, pretty much every single loss that, that Virginia has had has been close. So they're going to be in every single game. And they, they have the three-point shooting, too. They're shooting 38% from three as a team, although they don't take a whole heck of a lot. But they've got the, the defense isn't the elite-level Virginia defense. That's, I think, what's, what's taken me out of calling them a team that can get to the Final Four or Elite Eight is that the defense is good, but we're used to seeing a, a Virginia defense that's ranked in like the top five. Like you look at the stretch from, let's see, where are we going back here? From 2012 to, to 2020, this is where Virginia would rank in defensive efficiency according to Ken Palm. They were 5, 25, 4, 2, 7, 2, 1, 5, 1. And then you've seen it sort of drop off these last three years, 36, 59. Now it's starting to uptick back to, to 20, uh, 23, but I, I still think that there is a ways to go for Virginia if they want to get into the Final Four conversation here. So, But I do think that they will end up winning the ACC. They currently sit 10-3 and three right now. Um, they're in a cluster tie with uh, Pitt and Clemson. So, and my, Miami's right on their tails too. They're at 10 and four. So it, it's going to be a, an interesting ride, but I, I do think Virginia is the one that ultimately comes out on top there. All right, number six is where we find Tennessee. They take a one-spot bump. Tennessee is an interesting team. Gross win against Auburn. Absolutely disgusting win against Auburn this past weekend. 46 to 43. Questionable no call at the end of the game on a three-point attempt. Looked like that the shooter was fouled, but uh, there was no call on that. And the volunteers hold on to win 46 to 43 at home against a solid Auburn team here. But my confidence level for them, I'm gonna go with a one. The offense is not good, as case in point, 46 points against Auburn in that rock fight. Um, And there's too many games with Tennessee where you just go, really, dude? Like, you look at early in the season. And again, I don't put a lot of stock in early season games, but I think it's something that kind of led to the trend here. Um, Colorado, losing that game at home against Colorado didn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. Then you lose against... Kentucky, when they were the the bad Kentucky team, you lose that game at home as like an 18-point favorite against Kentucky. Then you lose against Florida. You get blown out on the road by 13. And there's too many games where you're like, seriously? 
This is the the team that we're going to see. The offense right now is ranked 62nd in the country. The defense is number one. Listen, don't get me wrong. The defense is fantastic. It's going to keep them in every single game that they're in. But there's just too many question marks for me, plus the fact that Rick Barnes is not a coach that impresses me in March either. We've seen some early exits with him. Um, So all of that, put it all together, and that's why I'm putting Tennessee at a confidence level of one right now in terms of I think they could be a team that gets upset early in the tournament. Um, And and you look at, I mean, the three-point shooting, um, the free-throw shooting, like right now they're ranked 262nd in the country in three-point shooting, 137th in free-throw shooting. Those are usually some pretty good uh, indicators in the tournament. So um, don't like what I've seen there necessarily um, out of out of this uh, Tennessee team. So, all right, let's move along here. Number five on my list is where we find uh, UCLA. The Bruins, they're up a spot from a week ago, 19-4 and four on the season. Um, they are the second best team in the, the Pac-12, and I want to get to Arizona, and I'll do that in just a second. But good dominant win over Washington State this past week. You've got Oregon State on the road, should handle them easily on, on Thursday. Um, but looking at what UCLA in confidence level, um, I'm going to give them a three. I'll always believe in UCLA because they have a coach that I like. They have a star on the team in Jaime Jaquez, and they've got a guard that I trust as well. In, a, in the state of the sport right now where – and this is another reason why I think we've seen so many number two teams fall this season is the guard play just is down this year in the sport and usually those are the guys that you'll look to in crunch time to just steady things out um but the guard play is really down this season and ucla is the exception to that rule right now because they've got tiger campbell a guy who's spearheaded a final four caliber team um and a a true final four team as well you look at what UCLA does. They're really good on defense. They've got a strong offense to pair with it as well. Uh, The number three defense, top 25 offense. Um, And that's why I think that they've actually got a chance to get to the final four this year. All those sort of coming together right now. Um, And again, it's, I'm intrigued by what that final game against Arizona is going to look like um, to close out the regular season here. But right now, Arizona has the head to head. That's why I've got UCLA at five. And that's where we find Arizona at four. No headlines as of late for Arizona. What do I say about the ACC, the Pac-12, the AAC? And I think we're getting to that point with the Big Ten, too. Um, Don't make headlines, and you will continue to make a steady rise. Um, You look at what Arizona has done over the last month. They're on a six-game winning streak. But on top of that, the defense has gotten exponentially better. You know, we talked about this early on with this Arizona team, right? How is the defense going to hold up? Because at the time when we were talking about it, Arizona had the number one offense. The offense has dipped down to 11 right now. Still very good, though. A couple of wins with 90 points in this winning streak right now. But the defense has been the story of this, all right? I saw this from Seth Davis on Twitter. On January 18th, Arizona was ranked 88th in the country in defensive efficiency. In games since then, the Wildcats are ranked number one in the country in defensive efficiency. They went from being the 88th ranked team through the first about two months of the season and have spun into the number one team over the last month of the season. They are, as a whole, currently ranked 37th, but they've chopped that ranking in half, over in half, 
um, over the course of the last month. So kudos to them. Tommy Lloyd, you just knew he was going to figure it out. The, this feels similar to Purdue from last year for me, right? Explosive offense that you've got. And you've got a team as a whole that defensively wasn't impressive, but you knew you had the pieces to be an impressive defense. Azulis Tabellas, great defender. Umar Balo, fantastic rim protector. I like Courtney Rainey at the top as a defensive guy for this team. You've got the guys on this team to be a good defense. It's just kind of putting the pieces together. And unlike Purdue last year, this Arizona team seems like it has put those pieces together. Um, and you, you, you look at the stretch that they're in, the six-game winning streak right now. Um, they've allowed over 70 points just twice, and both of those were in 15-plus point win blowouts. So you look at um, those games, and you can kind of chalk it up to probably garbage time, letting some late buckets in there at the end. But my confidence level for them, I'm going to put it at a two for now. If you talk to me in a week or two, they may be at a three. It's all contingent on can you keep this defense rolling the way that it is right now. Can you do that? If you can do that, then you've got a three. No doubt about it. But for right now, um, I'm putting it at a two. But this is the one that I think is most likely to change into a three the rest of the way. All right. My number three team, unmoved. It is the Houston Cougars right now. Comfortable road win against Temple, a team that beat them earlier in the season on their home floor. Um, But my confidence level in them continues to be a three. Houston is number one in the net. They're number one in Ken Palm. They're pretty much number one in every single analytical ranking that you're going to find. But they have to prove to me that they win out the rest of the way. Um, No more trip-ups for this Houston team. I want to see them close out at 17-1 and in the AAC the rest of the way. My confidence level remains a three in them, and partially because Jarris Walker, their five-star freshman, continues to grow and make for a great sidekick who can star alongside Marcus Sasser. Sasser's had some up-and-down games this year. He hasn't been nearly as consistent as I thought he would be. Um, I, I thought he would be a guy who could sneaky work his way into the, the player of the year conversation this year. He hasn't been that type of player, um, but Jarris Walker has been really, really impressive for me Um, You look at his last four games, 23 points, 15 points, 25 points, 17 points, um, all of those wins as well. When he's playing well, this team looks almost unstoppable because of the fact that they are an elite-level defense. They are an elite-level offense. Right now, um, they are the only team with a top-10 offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency only team that can say that you have to go down to UConn to find the the next team that can sort of be in one of those high qualifier groups right now UConn has a a top 20 offense and a top 20 defense so the only two teams that have top 20 offenses and defenses right now are UConn and Houston and Houston that gets into a top 10 level offense and defense right there so And that's usually a formula. You look at balance with offensive and defensive efficiency, um, and Houston's got that right now. So I'm a three with them. I think that they are going to get to the final four. If I just kind of stretch it, I should have done that. I should have made a four as teams that I think they can get to a final four. But if I am going to award a four, I'm going to give one to Houston. I think they they have the, the blueprint to pull something like that off. All right. 
Alabama is my next team. They're at number two right now, unchanged ranking from a week ago. Um, two dominant wins since we last spoke. 57-point win against Vanderbilt, and then a 10-point win on the road against LSU. Um, I look at... You know, they would be number one across the board and I think everybody's metrics and the eye test and the AP poll if they hadn't been blown out by Oklahoma. You know, they've been the most dominant team in conference of any team in all of college basketball. Currently 10-0 in the SEC and they're winning games in conference by an average margin of 21.7 points. So that just kind of shows you how dominant they truly have been. A little bit of a tough stretch here coming up. I think they'll handle Florida at home tonight. Then you're on the road for back-to-back games at Auburn and at Tennessee. I see the SEC winning streak going down in these next three games. But, hey, if it doesn't, you're talking about a team that by far and away should be the number one team in the country, and I will vote for them as such. Um, Brandon Miller against LSU, the, the little man crush Miller update here. 11-10 um, and 10 against LSU. He did have four fouls. Um, in that game, so that kind of limited his potential out there on the court. But my confidence level in them is a three. They've got more NBA talent than some of the top three to five teams. Um, when you look at who's on the roster, um, I love Brandon Miller. I, I I think that what he brings to the table, he's it, it reminds me seriously of, of Carmelo Anthony and what he pulled off as sort of being this dominant freshman who can lead a team on a championship run. Brandon Miller reminds me of Carmelo, reminds me of KD as just this freshman who sort of stands out among the rest and is good enough to bring you to a, a Final Four national championship type season. Um, and, and also, like Javon Quinterly has given them really good minutes off the bench as well. You've seen games where he kind of comes in, steadies things, and has made a huge impact on on games down the stretch. He's been that sort of steadying force, a closing guy as well for Nate Oates. So my confidence level in Alabama is a three, which is rare for a team with as many freshmen that contribute and play as this team has. But I think they've proven a lot to me. Listen, freshman teams don't start out 10 and 0 in conference. There's usually an early hiccup, but you look at the, the losses this year, you lost to UConn on a neutral floor. You lost to Gonzaga and you lost to Oklahoma in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. So those those are are some quality losses there. The Oklahoma one continues to puzzle me more so, not that they lost, but that the margin that they lost by, they lost by 24 in that one. Um, but I, I still love what I see out of Alabama. They're my number two team, and that leads me into number one. That is the Purdue Boilermakers. They do have the number one offense in the country right now. Of course, spearheaded by Zach Eady. But uh, they are coming off the loss against Indiana. I did decide, though, that I'm not going to ding them. And here's why they're still my number one team. All right, I've gotten this question on Twitter, and I've responded. um, But I was asked, why, why are they still at number one in the AP poll? And here's why. There's a lot of losing that's taken place in the top five over the last couple of weeks. And you look at Purdue. They have significantly more quad one wins than Houston and Alabama. They've got nine. Houston has five. Alabama has six. I also look at Purdue, and I look at a team, and I say, you know what? There's no bad losses there. You lost to Indiana, and you lost to Rutgers. Your combined margin of loss is six. 
One point loss against Rutgers, five points against Indiana. So you've been in every single game that you've played in this year. You've also had some dominant wins as well along the way. Um, And no one else has really done anything impressive enough to jump you. So when all of that, I mean, the timing sort of lined up for Purdue to be this number one team in the country. Like, listen, if Tennessee hadn't lost earlier in the week to Florida, Tennessee's probably the number one team in the country, but there was that lingering loss there um, that sort of took them out of the conversation to be the number one team. So I think that the, the polls, too, can be a little reactionary at times. You can be the number one team in the country and still lose. I think that's something that should be said. Now, I will say this. My confidence level in Purdue, I've got them at a two right now. I think they're a team that can get to the second weekend, but don't be surprised if that's where it ends because we've seen how big man-led teams are not the formula, right? Why do, why do we see the Big Ten lose every single year early in the tournament? It's because it's a big man-laden league, and this is not a big man-laden sport. Maybe in the regular season it works, especially when you're going up against bigs every single night. But when you look at the sport as a whole, it continues to be a guard-driven sport. And right now you've got two freshmen that sort of spearhead the way in Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith. And while they look great and have played beyond their years, I, I, I look at it and say, you know, I, I need to see a team with some NBA talent because this team may not have a single player that plays a single minute of NBA basketball. I know some people will look at Zach Eady for his size, but I just don't know how necessarily he's going to play in the NBA. Um, he may end up getting drafted. He may end up uh, sticking with the team, but I don't see a lot of significant NBA minutes coming off of this team. And the lack of NBA talent as well as uh, just the young guards, I think it's going to catch up to them in the tournament. So while they may end the season as the number one team in the polls, and while they may garner the number one overall seed, I just don't think that Purdue has the the star power to really make the the deep run here. I do think they are going to lose in that second weekend. I think they'll get there, but I think they will lose in that second weekend. And I think just the fact that the Big Ten's been down this year also is a little bit of a concern for me because it kind of makes me wonder, like, all right, how good are some of these wins? You're 22-2 and right now, but how truly good are some of these wins? So that is my top 12 along with a little bit of confidence power rankings for you as well. It's going to do it for us here on Basketball U. We will be back next week recapping all of the games coming up this weekend. It is always, always, always a great weekend in college basketball. And you look at this weekend – Maybe lack of, of like big games, but there are some fun ones. You got uh, UConn and Creighton. That's going to be a good one on Saturday. Rutgers travels to Illinois. Duke's at Virginia. Baylor TCU is going to be a fantastic game. Hopefully TCU can be a little healthier by then. Um, Iowa State hosting Oklahoma State. Michigan hosting Indiana. So there's still going to be some, some great basketball across the board here um, this weekend as well. So look forward to breaking all that down with you next week here on Basketball U. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. That's why you'll get it first thing in your feeds whenever we do drop new episodes. And also be sure to tell all of your college basketball loving friends as well. We will talk to you next week. Next week.